So last week I said Pentecost was profoundly personal. This week, point number two, Pentecost was also powerfully prophetic. I want you to understand it shifted things. It shifted people's purpose. It, it birthed dreams. It birthed vision. It was, the, it was the birth of the church. And like I said, when the Holy Ghost came, things got noisy. Things got stirred. So much so that the people outside wanted to know what was going on on the inside. Can, can, I, can I just say, I want to get to a place where we as a church, where the people outside want to know what's going on on the inside. Come on, son. They, they, they want to know what is God doing in that place. There's a noise. There is a sound coming, and we're going to take that sound out. Come on, somebody. They heard them, and they were like, you guys are drunk. You guys are drunk. I mean, you you, you got to know it's got to get pretty serious when people think you're drunk. I, I haven't had anybody ever say that to me. Ever. <laughs> so maybe you'll be clear. But they thought the people were drunk. And so Peter had to address the crowd that had gathered. A large crowd had, had gathered in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this. To you, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. In the King James Version, it says all flesh. And then it says your son's and daughters, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What will they do? Come on, start a trick. What will they do? They'll prophesy. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's not talking about dreams when you're asleep. It's talking about dreaming when you're awake. Come on, somebody. They will dream dreams. Even on my servants, again, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will, and they will, come on, they will, they will prophesy, they will prophesy, they will prophesy. First thing I, I want to say today, or first point I want to make is simply this, everyone in the room was filled. All that were there were filled, not just some. Not just the ones who went to Bible college. Not just the ones who had a degree. Not just the ones who had a fine education. No, no. Everyone in that room was filled. Didn't matter who you are. Didn't matter. There was no like, well, have you been to Bible college? Have you passed? Have you, got, have you passed the exam? No, no. Everyone who was there were filled. Not just some. Acts 2 verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Old men, young men, sons and daughters, men and even women. Now, I'm saying that on purpose because this is important. You've got to understand how significant that is. See, the fact that women, not just men, oh, I'm speaking to the sisters today. Any sisters in the house? Come on. Mm, some of the men are like, okay. Where's this going? But it's important. The fact that it was women, not just men, that were included in this pouring out was, is a big deal. 
It's a big deal. I mean, this, the, the fact that this promise was given to men and women, sons and daughters. You've, you've got to understand what was taking place here was a prophetic, revolutionary culture shift. Although Joel prophesied, it, Peter was like, this is going down right now. He's like, this is how Joel might have prophesied, but this is happening, Peter was saying, right now. Things are changing. And I say it's important because you've got to understand the context and the environment to which this was all happening, happening in. I mean, women doing ministry. I mean, women prophesying, doing spiritual stuff. I want to say, in these days, it was not the done thing. It was not that Jewish culture is patriarchal. I mean, I, I just want to be honest and say, it was a man's world. I mean, even the daily prayers of a Jewish man included this prayer of thanksgiving. And I, when I strayed away, uh, before I say it, I want to advise you gentlemen today, don't try this at home. But they would pray every day. Praise be to God that he has not created me a woman. All the sisters in the house are like. They, they would pray that every day. That's the environment that the Holy Ghost showed up in. That's the environment that they lived in. These were different days to what you see. You've got to understand the freedom that you have today, people. A lot of it comes from these moments in history. Uh, a lot of the freedom that you have, a lot of the things, because you, you just only have to look at other nations around the place and, and understand where, where women are not free. You've got to understand, a lot of that comes from moments like this in history. This was a culture-shifting, revolutionary thing that was happening now, and all the sisters said. Amen. These were different days. Men were not to greet women in public. In the area of religious practice, women were overlooked. Women were not allowed to study even the sacred texts. Oh, you couldn't bring your Bible to church. You're not allowed. Rabbi Eleniza, the first century teacher, was noted as saying this, rather should the word of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. He wouldn't have survived church these days. Come on, somebody. But that's the environment they were in at the temple in Jerusalem. Women couldn't get on the inner court. They were on the outer court. But then Jesus came. Right. Jesus came, and he was a game changer and a culture, culture shifter. And see, that's why Christianity is so revolutionary on so many levels, because Jesus elevated the role and position of women in society. See, Jesus didn't follow... The rules, he, he speaks to women in public. In John chapter 4, verses 4 through 42, Jesus, and you, you know the story, I'm not going to go into all of it, but Jesus even initiates a conversation with not just a Samaritan, who the Jews weren't meant to talk to, but he, he initiates a conversation. It wasn't like she spoke, no, he initiates it, not with just a Samaritan, but with a Samaritan woman. And he asked her for a drink, and even the, the Samaritan woman was surprised. She said in John 4, verse 9, How can you, 
A Jew asked me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. When his disciples came back and saw him talking to her, they were shocked too. They didn't say anything. They were a little bit nervous to say anything, but they made sure they included it. In the text, they, you, may, you know what they were thinking. They were like, why? They've written it down in the text. They didn't say it to him, but they, this is what they're thinking. Why is he talking to her? Shouldn't be talking to her. And there are many more cases where Jesus broke the rules. The woman with the issue of blood, Martha and Mary. The woman called in adultery. The, the woman with the jar of perfume. There's so many areas where, where Jesus began to break and change the status quo. The fact that God in his wisdom in all the four gospels had woman disciples be the first witnesses to his resurrection. I mean, you're like, so what's the big deal? Listen, woman's word was worth nothing. Their testimony in court was worth nothing. And so you would never, if you were wanting to start a faith, and they, this is one of the proofs to the resurrection, by the way, because nobody who wanted to start a faith, uh, uh, you know, if it was a, a trickery or mockery or whatever, no one would do it by getting women to testify that they'd seen the risen Savior. But God did. He thought it was a great idea. He did. You know, there's a powerful story in Luke chapter 13, verse 12. And I, listen, I'm going somewhere with this today because I, I want to empower my sisters here today. Thank you, sister. <laughs> I'll encourage you today. There's a powerful story in Luke chapter 13, verse 12, where we can see that Jesus raised the dignity of woman. On the Sabbath day, Jesus cures a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. The New King James Version, this is what it says about her. It says she was bent over and could... Sorry, she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. No way. Laying hands on her in the temple, Jesus said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And when that happened, the leader of the synagogue, she got healed, but the leader of the synagogue got upset. He gets mad with Jesus that he had healed a woman on the Sabbath. You've got to watch out for religion like that. Come on. That's more worried about the fact that you're, you're not following a rule than somebody gets healed after 18 years. of. After, let's not be Christians like that. And so he gets mad with Jesus that he healed the woman on the Sabbath. But Jesus, in his reply to him, uses a title, a particular title of dignity for the woman. And he describes her in Luke chapter 13, verse 16, as the daughter of Abraham. The daughter of Abraham. I mean, you've got to understand this was like a boom moment. It really was. No one has been called a daughter of Abraham. I mean, you think about it. We, 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 we all know about the sons of Abraham. You ever thought about the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father. What about the daughters? Where are they? I can't believe we've been singing that. Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons had father Abraham. I'm one of them. So are you. And let's go praise the Lord. Well, obviously, many of you aren't one of them, are you? I mean, it's just like. <laughs> but sons of Abraham, they understood. But, but daughters of Abraham. 
him, yet Jesus uses this title, this term of endearment of of her women had never been called daughters of Abraham. And with this title, Jesus recognizes, listen, this was, you might think, that's just words. Words have power. I want you to get that today. Your words have power. They shift things. But with this title, Jesus, what does he do? He recognizes, you might think, oh, well, that's just plain. No, 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 it wasn't in those days. Jesus recognizes by using that title that this woman is having equal worth. Equal worth. This was revolutionary. Revolutionary then and revolutionary now. Jesus was saying that, uh, of course, in the context of that day and at that time when he said that this was next level. Think about it. All those years, for 18 years, her infirmity defined her world. Her infirmity defined who she was. I mean, she lived her life with her view always bent down to the dirt. I don't know how you view your life. I don't know what glasses you look through. I don't know how you see. But for this woman, her whole identity, she was known as the bent over woman, the crippled woman. And all she could see as she walked was the dirt. All her perspective, I want to tell you, my sister, I don't know what you're seeing, but I want to tell you, God wants you to see something new today. Come on, I don't care who you are. God wants you to see something new today. Maybe you've been walking down with your... Oh, hallelujah. Her sight was always to the ground, always to the dirt. She was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. And I want to tell you, uh, you, you may be struggling, man, I'm trying to get up. I'm trying to move up. But I want to tell you, sometimes we just can't do it. But there is a God in heaven who loves you, who seeks to call you out and raise you, raise you up. And she was not the sort of woman who, who would have confidence to call out to Jesus. But when Jesus sees her, In the temple, he calls her out. And then he raises her up. I mean, this woman, the bent woman, the crippled woman, is the first and only person in Scripture to be referred to explicitly as a daughter of Abraham. See, her identity had been wrapped up in her infirmity. But now, listen... Oh, hear me today. But now her identity is established on the words of God himself. Her her, her identity is established by the words that Jesus spoke. I want to tell you, I don't know what you allow to uh, 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 define your identity, but let, let only Jesus be the one. Let only the word of God be the one that defines your identity, who you are. Her identity was established on the words of God himself. In that moment, she not only receives healing, she has her God-given identity proclaimed openly. Where? Before the crowd and in the synagogue. A daughter of Abraham. It's a game changer. And I don't want you to miss that today. And to all the women here, all the sisters Here today, I want to tell you, you are a daughter 
Come on. You are a daughter of Abraham. You are heirs to the covenant. You're not being kept out of the plan. Your daughters of Abraham, heirs to the covenant. You are a part of God's plan through which he will restore the creation. One of the ones through whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. What Jesus says about you is the only thing that matters. Don't let anyone else assign your identity except Jesus. You are the daughter of of Abraham. And when the Holy Spirit fell on all flesh, when the Holy Spirit fell on all flesh, you've got to know, daughters of Abraham, that God was calling you out, was raising you up in that moment. As Jesus spoke it, the Holy Ghost affirmed it right there and then, calling you out, raising you up. And so I'm saying to you today, daughter of Abraham, God ain't left you out of the plan. He is an equal opportunity employer. Everyone in the upper room was filled, men and women, sons and daughters. No different. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 goes on to, Paul takes it even further. He says this. He says, for all of you, who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. What do we see? Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all. Everybody say all. That doesn't mean just some. It means all. One in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, does anybody belong to Christ in here today? Come on. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's sons and daughters, men and women. Come on, somebody. Give them some praise in the house. Everyone in the upper room was filled, and I pray today everyone in this room would be filled afresh, empowered from above by the precious Holy Spirit, no matter who you are. I want to tell you, the world right now is pushing us to notice each other for our differences, but we are in Christ, neither male nor female, nor Jew or Gentile, we've got to understand we have to have a different perspective. All were filled, number one. Number two, all could prophesy. All were filled and all could prophesy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters and Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will. They will. One more time. I'm not sure you're convinced. They will. They will prophesy. See, when the Holy Ghost showed up at Pentecost, the disciples that were gathered in the upper room, they had been through a long and sustained period of of waiting and uncertainty. Sound familiar? 
a long and sustained period of waiting and uncertainty, 50 days from Easter to Pentecost. Pentecost just means 50. They had had three years of powerful ministry and miracles with Jesus. I mean, they'd walked with him. They'd talked with him. And they'd seen incredible miracles take place. Three years of amazing ministry and miracles, and then he was gone. He was gone. Jesus was gone. First crucified, and then glorified. And so it was tough for the disciples. It's not hard to figure, figure that out. You say, well, how do you know it was tough? How do you know that time was tough? Well, it starts off with Peter denying, then lying, then crying. And then he and his other disciples, they just go back fishing. They just go back fishing. How do I know that the waiting and uncertainty was tough? Because 500 saw him attend, uh, ascend. 500 were there. It was witnessed by 500 people, the Bible tells us. But there was only 120 left in the upper room. Where'd the rest go? Too hard, man. Chill, see you later. It was tough. It was hard. It was a hard, hard time. Only 120 were left. Only 120 waited. And of course, they didn't know what was going to happen next or how things were going to work out. They were like, they were with Jesus. It was awesome. And then he was gone. Their whole life had, had changed. And it's interesting to me that when I think of all the uncertainty that we have been through, all the uncertainty that we've been through as a people and in lockdown, and then I started to think, well, again, it's sort of around the same time. It happened like just before Easter, and it finished just after Pentecost. A very similar period. We've walked through this long period of sustained uncertainty. What a time of waiting, watching, and, and worrying. It's been day after day of uncertainty. I don't know if you... Watch the news, but it was just like one piece of bad news after another. One piece of bad news. We tune in at one o'clock for the report. And just one day after another, stuff happening around the world. Day after day of uncertainty. But here's what I know. When the Holy Spirit showed up at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit showed up at the end of their waiting, it was time to dream dreams again. It was time to get vision again. Yeah, the worship team can come. It was time to, at the end of their waiting, it was time to dream dreams again. It was time, it, it, was, it was time to see vision and get vision again. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Word of God is the, is the light, but the Holy Spirit gives sight. It enables you to see things. And at the end of their waiting, it was time to get vision again. It was time for the sons and daughters to prophesy. And so as I was preparing this message, I I felt so clearly from the, from the Holy Spirit say to me that you have been waiting. 
And it's been a time of uncertainty, but it is now time to dream dreams again. It is now time to get vision again. It is now time to prophesy again. It's time for the sons and daughters to prophesy. Because if you don't, who will? If you don't, who will? Well, I'll tell you, the media will. Every day the media's message is prophesying, forecasting doom and gloom and this is going to collapse. This is going to fail. This is what it's probably, and they don't even know. They don't know, but they're speaking it over. They're declaring it. I want to tell you, it's time for the church to start declaring some stuff. It's time for the church to start prophesying some stuff. It's time for us to start, because if you don't prophesy, who will? I'll tell you, many. Can you stand? Every day the media The media messages us with, with prophecies of doom and gloom, of sad and bad. But I want to tell you, it's time for you today, sons and beautiful daughters of Abraham, to take your God-given authority, your God-given authority to proclaim and declare It's time for you to proclaim and declare. It's time for you to dream again. It's time for you to get vision again. And I want to take a few moments and do that this morning. Now understand this, when I'm talking about prophecy, I'm not talking about the office of the prophet. I'm not saying we're speaking to, and this is going to happen in 20 days, that's going to happen. We, 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 again, I'm talking about the ability to proclaim and declare over situations. See, because your words are powerful. The Bible says the tongue has the power of death and life, life and death. Choose life. Many people are speaking death over our economy, death over this, death over that. That's going to fail. This is, it's time for us to begin to speak the opposite message. Come on. It's time for us to begin to declare and proclaim and prophesy over, not because we're just trying to be positive. It's because we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. That is the God that we serve. That's the God. We, we, listen, I, I, I'm not saying, let, let's, you know, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. Oh, Lord, give me that Mercedes. I'm not talking about that kind of rubbish. But I'm talking about us being able to speak over our circumstances, over our nation, over our people, over our families, over our businesses, over, over that which this nation is going through and start to declare over it. The God, you're sovereign and you are able to move. See, praying is different. And this is not just for today, can I just say. I'm saying you can do this day because prayer is different. Prayer is like, hey, God, can you help me out? It's like, God, can you do this? God, can you do that? And he, you know, we, we pray like that. I don't want us to pray this morning. I want us to prophesy. I want us to pray. Prophecy is different. You say, but can we do that? Yes, you can prophesy. I just read it. I got you to repeat it. 
Your son, when the Holy Ghost got your sons and your daughters, guess what? Turn to the person next to you and go, that's you. Come prophesy. You can declare things. You can proclaim things over your life. If you remember in the in Ezekiel 37, the dry bones, we, we, we sung about it, the dry bones. It wasn't God who spoke over the dry bones. It was Ezekiel. He said, can these live? God's like, you prophesy over them. What's dead in your life that you need to come alive? What, what, what are those things, that, that those dreams that you're having? Now listen, I'm telling you today, it's time to dream again. You may be sick and tired of hearing what every news thing is saying. For you, I'm going to tell you, it's time to dream dreams again. It's time to get vision again for your life. It's time to believe God for your life and what He is able to do over it. Would you prophesy? Would you prophesy over your life? Would you proclaim some things? I want to I take a moment. and Peter Riggle, you can start us off, but I just want to take a moment and just keep, begin to let something bubble up inside you, maybe different ones. James, uh, where are you, James? Wave your hand. Is James here? James, there's James, I want you to pray over business. I want you to declare things. People are starting business. I want you to declare things over it. But Peter, would you start us off? And then maybe Annette as well, a different other one. And then maybe I'll open it up and just different other people start to speak. Remember, we're not saying, Lord, we're, we're, we're proclaiming. We're prophesying. We're declaring. Would you do that, Peter? Begin to declare over it in a loud voice. I speak faith over this land. Yeah. Demonstrate your power 
We declare over this nation, favor, your goodness. Father, we declare creative ideas and initiatives that can't be seen. We declare breakthroughs and we pray for our children and our children's children. We declare over them, Father God, a hope and a future. Father God, we pray. Father God, for a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost right throughout this nation, we declare you would strengthen your church in this nation. Lord God, we pray that you would raise up many wise leaders. We pray for all those in authority and we declare over them you would give them wisdom even beyond their years. We prophesy good things over this nation. We speak life over this nation. Those who seek to bring death and destruction, Father God, for whatever sake, we, we speak life over this nation. In Jesus' mighty name.